listening to Enjoy an Album, the podcast where two comedians listen to the top 500 greatest albums of all time. Podcast with me, Liam Withnow, and he, Christopher MacArthur Boyd. Boyd. Did you forget my name? No, I was pointing you for you to say your own name, and you didn't pick up on the cue. Oh, I was changing tabs. He was on looking the at his, there, looking so. at his, uh, he was checking his stocks, checking his uh, crypto. <laughs> the Dow Jones is right now. Crypto, 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 MacArthur Boyd. That's our new uh, Bitcoin we're launching. You can join album. Speaking. Speaking and then stop speaking. <laughs> what are you doing? That's good. That's the time you went done. Speaking of people who have indulged in NFTs and crypto chat, mm. I was very disappointed at the start of the year when uh, Arcade Fire mm. played at a cryptocurrency convention. Not surprised, but we, we, found, we found out what kind of weird richos they are. You know. And before we were figuring out what to talk about in the intro, we usually have a quick conversation. We go, what are we going to talk about? Uh, I said, as like, oh, we're going to talk about. And Liam was like, oh, when Butler's left Arcade Fire, mm. and I said, Will Butler? And he went, well, what are you talking about? His name's Wen Butler. I was like, yeah, Wen Butler hasn't left Arcade Fire. His brother Will Butler. Did you think Wen Butler had left Arcade Fire, the lead singer? Let me tell you, let me tell you what's happened here. I had a long car journey yesterday. <laughs> I was in a car for six hours, chatting away, also trying to watch a football match on my phone. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you messaged me to say, what I now know was, hey, Will Butler's left Arcade Fire. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then I kind of forgot about it. I just misread it. And then I only just remembered it there. I'd obviously... The lead singer of one of your favourite bands leaves the band you get a message you think telling you that and you just go oh and then you don't investigate further listen i've got 450 other bands to get through the favorite <laughs> bands of yesteryear mean nothing to me now if they disintegrate into dust i wouldn't fucking spare a second thought next time i see you wearing your everything now t-shirt out and about i'm gonna grab it i'm gonna rip it off and you're gonna be wearing a jacket and no t-shirt and then who's gonna be looking at the phone not people around you, because they'll be looking at you. will be looking at my fucking sexy, sweaty bod. Looking at <laughs> Why are you sweaty? Because I'm wearing a jacket over a t-shirt. And you've just ripped off a shirt underneath a jacket somehow. You've caused me to sweat. <laughs> just uh, confused. So my torso is I hate that when I'm so confused, I get sweaty like a donut. Like a donut? Speaking of donuts. Hmm? Sweaty yeah, like glazed. Do donuts sweat? you never seen one? You not know when you go to like a... Uh... You don't know when you go to <laughs> the donut section of a supermarket and inside the bag, a kind of area has been created between the glaze and the actual surface of the donut and kind of gets a bit of condensation in there. Sweaty. Do you know when you look in the wee window of the bag of donuts and the steam coagulates on the inside it's of grease. the see-through bit? I thought it was sweat. It's, it's, it's grease on the inside of bags from the bakeries. Yeah. Greasy donuts. Sweaty donuts. I always thought, you know, in my primary school, 
<laughs> in the cafeteria, they would give you the potato smileys, and they were so sweaty. I think they were sweaty. Were they were sweating? You thought it was sweating? They were sweaty, man. The face was so they were so sweaty that it made the potato like moist, and then the smile would like like sink, and it would just become a, a potato, horrible distorted a potato face. Sad. Potato saddy. Yeah, I'm a bit of a potato Break. saddy myself. Um. <laughs> Sweet calls. I went <laughs> from Ireland. Whoa. Like yourself. Wow. Who has uh, depression? Wow. Okay. Very racist at the top of the show. Um. I didn't say that. Eddie cut that out. Anyway. Leave it in. Lovely to be here. Eddie, thank you so much for your um, continued uh, editing work on this, the Enjoy an Album podcast. Hey, maybe this is the first episode you've ever downloaded. Let's explain very quickly. Me and Christian MacArthur Boyd are listening to the 500 best albums of all time. As according to Rolling Stone magazine, we often disagree with the list itself. Um, each week we do a deep, deep dive onto that particular artist and the album of which they have chosen. We're going in order from 500 to number one. We're about halfway through the 400s. We've got nine years left. We are 10% in. Is that right? Yeah, we've got less than 10 years left now. So <laughs> when we started, there was uh, no current war happening uh, in between in Europe. There was no war. Uh, and we were in lockdown, so we had a lot of free time. Yes. So who knows what um, global changes will happen over the last 10 years. Fukuyama famously said uh, that the, it would reach the end of history. Was he right? We'll find out that by the end of the, the podcast <laughs> series as well. So that's two reasons to listen. One, if you like kind of comedic chatter about popular music that was famous in America in the last 100 years. Mm. Also, is history dead? <laughs> We've cover- we're covering a couple of things. And also, do donuts sweat? But I think that's been covered now. We could tick that off the Does list. Does God eat cum? Oh, Many questions fuck. posed. Many questions posed. It's a good episode. Thank you it's very much. The White Stripes. I'm sure you are aware of them and of a couple of tracks on this album, Elephants. Um, we we really went all round the houses on Jack and uh, and Megan this week, and uh, we're sure that you are gonna. Her name's not Megan. Are you sure? I think it's Meg. It's not Megan White, is it? What is Meg short for? Megathon. Meg. <laughs> Megadeth. Do you think her name's Megadeth White? (laughs) I wish it was. I wish it was. Megan White. Yes, and Jackford White also. Shut up. Anyway. What are you talking about? I just want to say thank you you very much to... Christopher. It's not Christopher, is it? It's Chris. They're the same name. Nobody calls him Christopher Cornell, though, do they? But that might be his name. Nobody calls him Winford Butler. But that's his fucking name! We're talking about Will Butler. His, His name's Edwin Butler, actually. As you well know. Anyway, we're having a great time this week, and I hope you're having a great time, and I hope you're enjoying the record. Awful time, the record. but I had a great episode. This is a good week. You're going to have fun. Don't mess with me. Don't mess with Liam. He's tired. <laughs> we're all tired, man. The world's ending. History's over. Right. Enjoy an album. Begins. magazine's blurb for Elephant by the White Stripes. 
the stripes exploded out of Detroit with a minimalist garage blues attack. Just Jack White on guitar and Meg White on drums taking on the world. These kids insisted they were a brother and sister, even after people learned they were secretly a divorced couple. But against all odds, the low-budget duo became a global sensation for their sheer rock power. Elephant seethes with raw desperation and lust in Seven Nation Army, Hypnotize and The Hardest Button to Button. Jack plays Guitar Hero in the seven-minute jam <laughs> Ball and Biscuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, fun fact for Ron Stone, Ball and Biscuit isn't actually included in the Guitar Hero soundtrack, so... Chatting shit. If, he's talk- if they're talking about the fucking PlayStation 2 game... No! As per... You've got it wrong. Also, they call them the Stripes, not their name. Not their name, they're the White Stripes. Uh, there was Striper, who was the Christian metal band in the 80s, who dressed like bees... Um, I don't know if that's who they're talking about there. And uh, then there was that band, The Stripes, who were in, like, they were like a mad mod rock revival group about 10 years ago, and everybody's dad loved them. And by everybody's dad, I mean my dad. Um, Your dad is everybody's dad because he's such a fucking mad shagger. I don't, that's not, I don't want to talk about stuff like that. But, <laughs> The White Stripes, have you ever heard of The White Stripes before this week? Liam Wefnail. As revealed at the end of last week's episode, this is an album that I purchased on CD on its release. Was it two CDs? Um, Because I... I read a thing about it and it was like, oh, the double album Elephant. But I think they might have been talking absolute gumption. I, well, I actually think there's been many different releases uh, territorially at the, at the time as well. I don't, oh. I don't. Maybe it was two CDs. I can't remember if it was. Um, I bought. I remember I, the two albums I bought at once were this and um, apologies to my haters, uh, a Marilyn Manson album at the same time I bought. Wow. I don't know you're a Manson head. It was the one album that I bought that I liked uh, as well, actually. And I would listen to this and that kind of back-to-back in my little portable CD player in my room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, the, uh, I, I heard of them because of the lead single on this album, of course, Seven Nation Army. Seven Nation Army. Army. So I would have been about 14, I think, 2003. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Heard that. Was that the first time you heard of them? Yeah. It's uh, interesting. My first recollection of Jack White and his erstwhile sibling forward slash ex-lover was, I remember my dad was watching, uh, fell in love with a girl, fell in love once and it's all completely, she's in love with the world. You know that one for the album before it, White Blood Cells? It was uh, the Lego video, mm-hmm. where they were made a Lego. And my dad was like, oh, we we're watching a music channel together, and that song came on with a video with the Lego. And he was like, what do you think of these? This is quite good, isn't, isn't it? And I was like, are they a Lego band? Like, do they always do Lego stuff? Because that's cool. Because you don't know. I think about that sometimes. It's like, the first time I see somebody, you kind of just assume that's what they're like all the time. But you would have so been... I thought it was like the gorillas. You would have been really young as well, though. I was I loved Lego, and I wasn't one of these weird old guys who buys Lego. No, but I mean, and like collect. I'm just, I'm just know, dating this genuinely. I'm just trying Lego. to like date this actual experience that you're telling us. Mm-hmm. So if I, I mean like 2001, so I would have been like eight. Yeah. Okay. You always try and just out, out cool everyone, don't you? Yeah, I was excited when you said that Seven Nation. I was the first time you heard them because I was like, mm, I I used to watch music with my dad. So I was excited for that feeling. 
don't know if you could feel the urge to talk about how young I was. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think it's made up, but okay. It's um, not. We'll never know. And I love the video for Hardest Button to Button where they, it's like Meg White's every kick of the bass drum, she's like a step further. Like, doom, doom, doom. She's going down steps. Yeah. That, and then Jack White's walking beside her. That was class as that's well. A, but that's on, that's on this album, though, yeah. Um, mm. So, I, I mean, I'm just assuming it was about about then. Maybe I had heard some, because I used to watch those music video channels, so maybe I had seen the Lego video before then. But I bought that album because, I bought Elephant because of Seven Nation Army, which is... That video was class. Yeah. The, the, With the triangles coming for us. Yeah. Hard job for the editors, that one, I reckon. I don't think the editors ever played any shows with them. Joke number one of the podcast. <laughs> Subscribe to our a good Patreon time. now. You get two extra jokes per week for ten pound a month. <laughs> there's a there's your free joke this month. Enjoy. Um, well, you know what? And I, I think there might be a couple of these this week. But since we've already mentioned the White Stripes music video for Seven Nation Army, uh, that is the home of my choice for this week's um, unhinged YouTube comment. Unhinged YouTube comment. Um, TJ posted on uh, Seven Nation Nine by the White Stripes a year ago. This song makes me want to buy a Happy Meal and then eat the toy. That's cool. That's not unhinged. That's just fucking class. I, I just thought it was worth sharing. Uh, I got some unhinged YouTube comments. So okay. Uh, f- first one uh, was under the video for Heidi Ho, which is the new Jack White song that came out this year. It's a collaboration from his latest solo record the, the one that's about to come out actually it's a collaboration with the rapper Q, Q- can you hear that yes I could hear a slight knocking it's Q right it's the rapper Q just you just woken him up by saying his Q-tips, name Q-tips like are you talking about me bro he lives with you <laughs> sorry uh, it's a collaboration called Heidi Ho with Tribe Called Quest rapper Q-tip and the guy said Put an effing stamp on this one. Damn, Jack. You can only cage an animal for so long before they come out swinging. Come out knocking. <laughs> come out tapping. Have you got a caged animal in there, man? Have you got a Q-tip from Tropical Quest? Trapped it <laughs> there. Come in a cupboard, but I thought I would shut up for this. I love that he broke all his own self-imposed rules on BHR. Absolutely loved it. Yes, a few tracks are meh. But like many of said, I dig this new direction and just, wow. He smashes down walls with his music. I think that's happening right here. I want someone to categorise this track. <laughs> there is no genre as such. It's called Jack F and White the Third, A genre of its own. Here's a Q-tip. Make sure there aren't bloody noises going on outside your flat before you start recording a podcast. How about that? Well, how am I supposed to know if um, her next door is going to start? I've, I've written a letter to everyone picture. in my uh, in my building saying, this is when we're going to record a podcast this week. Please don't make any noise. And people respect me in my area, so that's not been a problem. <laughs> Last week, before we started recording the Paul McCartney episode... Um, there was a guy whose car was alarm was going off mm. every like five minutes. You just don't command the went, same sort of local respect that I do. Clearly, I went out to speak to him. Mm. I went out. I was having a cigarette outside, and I seen him. That's and why was, we like, started. You had a bloody car. nose at the start of last week. I remember. Yeah, because his blood 
poured out his body so much when I janked him up. Jank, you jank, that you jacked it was him off. Out of me. Yeah, I jacked him off so hard. <laughs> I started bleeding. So shut up. Wow. People respect Yeah, me. no, I do respect that. That's cool, man. Yeah, good. Please stop. I don't know if that message will go through. Um, what do you think they're doing? Do you think they're doing DIY? Because that could be a problem. I don't know. They're always making that noise. <laughs> That's the only time I make that kind of noise is A, when I'm making a chicken... A chicken schnitzel. <laughs> and I get my rolling pin and bang out the breast really flat, you know? Yeah. That's the only time I make that noise. Is it um like a family but... of woodpeckers? <laughs> so Woody's retired from Universal Studios <laughs> cartoons recently. And he's moved to Partick Grill. We'll try to continue the best we can. Um sorry to the listener if you want to hear about Jack White and uh, Woody the Woodpeckers jacking off next door let's do some mud raking please jingle now <laughs> secret pacho secret secret pacho you do it faster than it feels like nacho got no money you got that bro secret pacho so I'm gonna say based on the series so far um, <laughs> and the aesthetics presented by Mr. Jack White mm-hmm. I had assumed we were dealing with a little posh boy here. I don't think so. I I, I assumed incorrectly. I have to say, yeah. um, real name John Gillis. <laughs> um, his mum is Polish. His dad is Scottish Canadian. Oh yeah, hello. One of That's me. one of your own. Yep. His parents comes across. He was the he had ten siblings. So uh, I think those parents might have been Catholic. They were super Catholic. Yeah, they worked for the archdiocese. Like um, his dad building maintenance. They worked for the archdiocese. Yes. Yeah. What's an archdiocese? Like you know a diocese, the arch of those. I don't know what a diocese is. It's like a high up kind of religious person in your local area. Oh, like a bishop. Yeah, I think. You know what? I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know if that was how clear that was. Like, I've heard of it. It's one of those where I'm like... I think like, you could have wrote that out. I reckon people listening would have been able to hear yeah. the uncertainty in my voice. Even when they didn't see your eyebrows going mad with lie-crafting. <laughs> your lie-crafting eyebrows wriggling away like... And yeah, put some more pillars. experience points into my eyebrow-lying ability. Yeah. Um, <laughs> his, his his dad was what, building maintenance for the Archdiocese, so a Janny. Mm-hmm. And his mum was the secretary. Um, his older brothers uh, were in a band, and every now and then they would just discard old instruments. And that is what Jack slash John um, learned to play on. He was going to become a priest. That was his plan. Mm. Uh, but he had this amp for one of the guitars that he really loved. And he was like, if I go to priest school, the seminary, then uh, they're not going to let me take my amp. So I'll just go to public school and said, the school I've looked at, it's not posho. It's uh, it's like a, one of those schools you have to take exams to get in, though. Um, oh, okay. So it's like, you know, bit of a scab, but whatever. Um, it's, it has got a lot of fancy alumni. They're all like jazz musicians. So I think it just has like a great jazz music department. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he left, he like... Uh, Oh, whilst he was at school, he learned how to upholster furniture. 
Yeah. And then started his own sort of up furniture upholstery business. Self-employed at the age of 21. Yeah. So, you know, I think just... Uh, I actually think he's a, a, a hard-working uh, go-getter, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, he understands the... He likes to rise and grind, you know. Uh-huh. Just like us. The Sigma grind set. <laughs> Wake up at four. Go for a run on the beach. Drink a... PM? You wake up at 4 p.m., go for a <laughs> run on the beach. It's uh, pure packed because everybody's on holiday. Yeah, well, people take, people going home. The sun's gone down, uh-huh. especially in Canadian Scotland. Uh, drink a chai latte. <laughs> Canadian, Scotland. Canadian Scotland. That's where his dad is from, Canadian Scotland. Oh, okay. Nova Scotia, I think <laughs> it's called. Um, uh-huh. I think that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, I'm going to say no posho. No posho. Meg White, much harder to find in oh, for one. Oh, she's a mystery. Always has been. She's a ghost woman. Uh, the drummer for the White Stripes. Very shy. Very, uh, you know, private. Um, I s- suffered with anxiety. All we know is modest upbringing, normal school. She left school to become a chef mm-hmm. um, and was working as a bartender in a restaurant called Memphis Smoke, which is like... Oh. Sounds like an amazing grill restaurant, and that is where she met yeah. our hero, um, Jack White, and they started dating, hanging out. Um, one day, she was at his house, just started playing, messing around with a drum kit, and he's like, "Let's start a band," and they did. That's cool. And they got married, and he took her name. What? Mm. Woke legend. Woke legend, Jack White. Throws aside the shackles of uh, male-led surname hereditariness uh-huh. and hereditation. At, sure, and lives his hereditorialism, at, and lives his true romantic self. Woke King Jack White, we salute you. You gotta love it. You know, I married him. Uh, my partner didn't take my name. That's because you're both cool people. No offence to people who have taken other people's No, I, I, I take those. I, I think, give them offence. We're calling them now. I honestly think marrying me, one of the only upsides would you would get an incredible surname. Your big double barrel posh surname. Big double barrel posh with none of the fucking upsides of having a posh name, i.e. money or prestige. Would you not do a thing where but, you could uh, like merge your surnames or something? I think I used to go out with a girl who had a double barreled his name and we realised... If we got married and then double barreled illness, we could be quadruple barreled, like a proper royal person. That would be sick. You think that's good? Yeah. I think you're sick in the head. Destroy from the inside. Get invited to the big dinner parties or whatever they do. This is how they get you. And just you get into the dinner yeah. parties and you're like, we're gonna destroy it. Oh, what's that? Oh, is that like a crab? Crab on a biscuit? Oh, seems nice. Mm. Well, actually, this stuff's quiche. all right. Is this a quiche? Mm-hmm. I've never had the quiche before. You've ever had a crab on a biscuit, though? <laughs> no. That was me improvising posh food. <laughs> yeah. What were those crab biscuits, love? <laughs> Speaking of destroying things for the inside out. Oh, dear. It's been a while since I've done. <laughs> Not excited about this link. <laughs> uh, a lot of people have been emailing me saying, Christopher, Christopher, where has the Bet Midler factor been? Mm. 
And you're right, the last two episodes, I forgot to do the best feature of the programme. No, you did it, we cut it. Really? Mm. Okay. Bet Midler, Factor. I'm going to catch up. I'm going to do Roberta Flack. Bet Midler, Factor of One. She was for two episodes ago. They were photographed together at the 26th annual Power Lunch for women raising money for City Meals on Wheels. Yep. Paul McCartney has a Bet Midler Factor of One. Bet Midler covered In My Life by Paul McCartney and John Lennon recorded by The Beatles. But did they did they meet? Surely have to have met. You don't have to meet. They just have to have covered each other's music, appeared in the same film, or have been photographed together. Covered in the covered music's a new one. That's bollocks. Mm, okay, Jack White. What do you think? He's done a couple of films, so he's been in a few films. I'm gonna guess James Bond. Uh, I'm gonna guess yeah, two. In an interview with Nerdwar, the Human Serviette on YouTube, Jack White said, "Bette Midler came to our show in New York and danced to the whole show." Jack White has a Bette Midler factor of one. Bette Midler is the nucleus of American music. Somehow, not my least favourite feature. <laughs> Speaking of... No, no, no. Too early. for Too early. Okay, okay. We've still Save got it. some other stuff to chat about with about the battle. We've not, even, we've not even touched on their relationship. It was mentioned in the blurb. But how they uh-huh. the Meg and Jack were married. They were yes. divorced before the second record even came out. Jack mm-hmm. thought that that was the end of the band, and then you would, and then he like so he went to do this gig, and then Meg was like, "Whoa, no, we're still a band." Um, so they continued as a band, and then started telling everyone they were brother and sister. What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. I think it's very shrewd mm. thing to do. To have so much fakeness around your music, so many lies, so much myth making, because then journalists will write about you. And when journalists write about you, you get big shows and people read about you, people know about you. I wish I came up with some myths for myself. The, um, like, uh, I was born with no sense of smell or something. People be like, oh, that's so inspiring. Do you think that'd be, do you think people would be inspired by that? Do you think people would care? I think people would be all over it. Oh, did you know Christopher? doesn't actually have a sense of humour he just guesses no people know that yeah people have they told me that but after the people show, also know you have no show. sense of smell We're like fucking <laughs> here comes smelly unfunny Chris again no don't joke about stuff like that because sometimes I wonder man <laughs> if people are like god he smells <laughs> on and off stage my self esteem is so bad that sometimes I'm on like a national smell express f- coach smell for esteem you smell my so smell bad. for steam is so bad. Sometimes I'll be on a National Express coach sitting next to the bathroom that's been shat and pished in by countless people the whole day. And I'll go, I'll smell it and I'll go, is that me? <laughs> and then a part of me has to go, no. You're sitting next to a public toilet on the road yeah. that hasn't been emptied? Yeah. How could it be you? And I'm like, oh, should I put more deodorant on? Anyway. No, I think it's cool to have a bunch of lies Jack about your said brain. of it that the reason that um, they said that uh, is that if a band has a couple in, all anyone ever wants to talk about is how they're a couple. And, mm-hmm. you know, so much of the attention is like, oh, is it your song about this? And is the song about this? And when you're singing this, you think about this. Whereas if you say brother and sister, eh, it's like cool, but no one really cares. And it means yeah. people just focus on the music. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is kind of true. Like, you, I mean, uh, Haim, they're all sisters, aren't they? And you never really get. Yeah, no one's assuming they're some kind of 
lesbianic polycule. Wow, you 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 grasped that phrase so quickly that it can only be in your Google search history. <laughs> Did you listen to any of the bands Jack was in before he was out? When see when I do something like this, because I kind of know the record, I'll go back and I'll listen to like the bands that they were in before they were famous. He was in loads of bands. He was in a country rock band, and you know I'm getting into country these days. He was in a country rock band called Two Star Tabernacle. Uh, that were really cool. They'd done Hotel Yorba before it was on a White Stripes song. And he was in another garage rock band called The Go in Detroit. Not very they good were all name. based around. Not a very good name. No. Well, when The Go team come out in 10 years and you're like, oh, how am I going to stand out in this? The Go team, Fucking... good name. The Go, these simple names. The The is another one. They're on the list. I can't be asked for that. The The is cool. I can't wait for that. I've never heard them, but I love their the name. The. People tell me they're good. The band. Terrible name. They're the gonna band, be on the list. terrible name. I hate that. You know, one of my favourite albums, Album by Girls. Mm. That should be on the list. It's not. Mm. Uh, uh, some of the music is quite cool. No, I haven't listened. I didn't listen to any of uh, of his previous bands. I mean, he has lots of other um, side hustles. Racon- mm-hmm. raconteurs. The raconteurs. Uh, Steady as she goes. Uh, <laughs> De- Dead Weather are another one, as well as um, solo shows. I love the Dead Weather. Yeah, great. I love the Dead Weather's first album more than I love any White Stripes album. That is a bit of a spicy take, I would say. Yeah. I love it. I love the kills. They had their bass. Uh, yeah, I like them. Once I got into the Dead Weather, I was like, who's this singer? Oh, she must have another good band. That she's the singer of the kills, and then I listened to the kills, and I was like, I "Don't like this as much as I like the dead weather." Yeah, I think Jack White's a better drummer than he is a guitar player. Well, you know what? I think this leads into an interesting thing to chat about, which is the drumming uh, from Meg White, which has been the focal point of a lot of discussion over the years. It's something that you very commonly hear, sort of young white guys who I I know have no musical ability, who I've never really heard say anything analytical about music. Say, huh, Meg White, not very good drummer. Um, which I always always struck me as quite a like a I don't know low key misogynistic. I can imagine some a, a, a couple music journalists said it, and it just become a fun thing to say about a female drummer. I think. Well, it's simple. It's simple drum playing. Mm. You know. And I love my neoclassical progressive thrash drumming that's in all different time signatures. I love my prog rock, you know, my rushes, uh, the fourth Metallica album. I love complicated drumming. I even love those busy drummers on, like, pop bands, like the Nationals drummers, too busy for, like, how simple the music is. And, like, Fall Out Boy has a really good drummer that's unnecessary. And, like, the Police have a really good drummer. Jimmy Chamberlain and the Smashing Pumpkins, like really good drummers unnecessarily. But I've listened to loads of live White Stripe stuff this week. Meg White never misses a beat. It's a, you know what I mean? She never plays wrong. There's a, uh, there is a difference, isn't there, between um, simplistic and um, and basic, I think. Ever heard of minimalism, you gonks? Yeah. Spazzy McGee in the School of Rock film, the drummer, that's what it's called. That's not a slur. He's always. He uh, might still be a slur. <laughs> it might be. He. That's what they call him in the film. Um, there was he's. He's like Jack, Meg White sucks or something. I reckon that's where a lot of these dude bros are getting their um, opinions from. School of Rock. School of Rock. Yeah. Certainly, where I got a lot of my opinions from. But she's a. I mean, she's a great drama. You know, she doesn't have to be good. The simpler. It's a very simple 
style of music. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, Simpler the better. There's that Onion article. Um, Meg White maintains a drum solo of Steady Beat for 23 minutes, which is quite funny. But yeah, like, you know, I think it, it, it strengthens the music for the Stripes, right? That's what, sorry, not the Stripes, the different band, the White Stripes. Um, <laughs> do you know why they're called the White Stripes? Meg White Tell me. They're named after the white stripe on peppermint candy canes. Oh. You say, oh, mint and sugar, as I've said before, should not go together. Uh, Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the uh, after eight dinner chocolate. Mint is for brushing your teeth. Well, you want to feel like an adult? Go eat something else. Sweeties are for little babies, please. Uh, How do you feel about menthol cigarettes? Um, uh, like it's the sort of thing where when I was smoking, if I, one was offered to me and I would like a cigarette, I would have had one, but I would never have bought a pack. I would honestly go, excuse me, Paul. Oh, the shops are shut. Can I tap a fag? And they would go, oh, it's menthol. Is that all right? And I would go, no. And I would walk away from them. I'd say thank you, but you are an idiot, a filth merchant. You shouldn't be smoking. Just have a normal cigarette and chew chewing gum at the same time. If you want that flavour, yeah. If you want Freak. to do that, make it more difficult for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You told him. That's what I say to Why people when they get after eight. I'm like, can... yeah, but get a chocolate and then brush your teeth at the same time. You ever done that? Well, I've I've brushed my, I've I've eaten a chocolate after, you know, not left enough time after brushing my teeth. Horrible experience. Drinking orange juice is bad mm. as well in the morning after having brushed your teeth. Sometimes I'll have I'll brush my teeth and then go right in and I'm brew, and wow, it makes me sick. It makes me sick. <laughs> I don't think you should really be drinking fizzy drinks before midday, generally. You shouldn't be drinking them after a certain time either, so when am I f- supposed to do it? 12, huh? 12 to 6. 12 to 6? Yeah, I think that's a good... Full-time job? That's a good, right, that's okay. a good, is that what you think a full-time job is? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, long day down at the mines today. How long How long are you down there? <laughs> Six hours. Wow, that's a full-time I'll job. I only work for 20 minutes a night. I don't know. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Shut up. Dolly Parton, 9 to 5. I get it. Uh, Working 10 till 6. What a me to make a living. Right, let's try and get this this back on track. What do you think of Jack as a dude? As a, as He's a pretentious. He's pretentious. Mm. You know, they only wore red and white exclusively for years and years then he started putting black in it now he's a solo artist he only wears blue and black uh, on his last couple of records Blunder Bus Forwards and I believe everybody in Third Man Record Store which is his record store in Detroit and Nashville now there's one in London I think everybody has to wear black and yellow uniforms mm-hmm. um, and I believe the Dead Weather had an all black uniform mm. of just black clothes He's pretentious. I, but I, I'm not sure if that's the best I do example think... of his pretension, though. Loads of a uni- a, we- making your staff wear a uniform is not. Do you know what I mean? I think Ronald McDonald's pretentious. Yeah, as does as does pretentious. It's all black and green. <laughs> See when they wear that green fleece, I'm like, just be normal. <laughs> yeah, as that. Oh, we get it. Okay. <laughs> the hardest buttons you button. Um. I would say that he's pretentious. Mm. He only record well. I don't know if it's pretentious to only record on analog and to completely refute digital recording techniques as he does. 
But I think pretentiousness is underrated. And I think if you're not slightly pretentious, it's pretentious to make anything and to do anything. Mm. Not do anything. It's not pretentious to like, you know, eat dinner, is it? Uh, well, why don't you just eat slurry from a tube? <laughs> oh. oh, I have a fork and knife. Oh, nice. Shut up. You know, I think it's pretentious to do or say almost anything. If you're not just lying in bed, not speaking to anybody, crying. That's pretentious. That's pretentious, that's pretentious yeah. Uh, his, even that, yeah. A, even that. Uh, a good example is of uh, his supposed pretension. Um, the, his rider was leaked. Let's hear it, mate. How many completely black apples from one forest in Detroit is he uh, demanding? Six cans of Coke Zero. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Man after murder. Des Clark has a similar demand, turns out. Um, one dozen chicken wings, open brackets, buffalo, teriyaki, surprise us. That's cool. This is the least pretentious writer I've ever heard. This is like, like normal shit. One package, cool. one package of fresh raspberries, fresh blackberries, fresh strawberries each. I need to pause you right there. I've got a doorbell thing happening. Can we go back to that in a wee second? A doorbell thing is happening. If they're not knocking on the walls, they're happening on the doorbells. Flat's a bit crazy today with the neighbours and whatnot. My gusto just arrived. I'll carry on with that list. Yeah. One large bag of tortilla chips. Mm-hmm. Doritos, perhaps. One hummus and pita chips. Uh-huh. And here we go. One bowl of fresh homemade guacamole recipe below. That's cool. And Who's making this recipe? Well, that's who he's... They're asking... So there's the recipe to make this guacamole... It's uh-huh. on the rider. This is how you Let's make it. Well, it's, I mean, I'll read all of it. Eight large ripe. No, I want to hear all of it. Step by step. Eight large ripe avocados cut in half the long way. Remove the pit. Save the pit dough and dice into large cubes mm-hmm. with a butter knife. Three or four sits down. Three or four across. You'll scoop out the chunks with a spoon. Careful to maintain the avocado in fairly large chunks. Four yeah. vine ripened tomatoes. Half a yellow onion. One full mm-hmm. bunch of cilantro chopped. Four serrano peppers. One lime and salt and pepper to taste. Mix all ingredients in a large bowl. Careful not to mush the avocados too much. We want it chunky. Once properly mixed and tested and rested, add the pits into the guacamole and even out the top with a spoon or spatula. Add half a lime to the top layer so you cover most of the surface with the juice. The pits and lime will keep yeah. it from browning prematurely. Cover with plastic mm-hmm. wrap and refrigerate until served. Please don't make it too early before it's served. We'd love to have it around 5pm. That's so cool. Do you think so? I think it's a bit much. Yeah. No, no, no. Every no, venue you no, go no, to no. on like a 60-day tour, you're asking... See if that's like, okay, that's for the Jack White solo show, and then he has a different guacamole recipe for the dead weather, and a different, you know, Benson, or whatever his name is, and the raconteurs, Brendan Benson wants. He, he doesn't like as much lime juice. Can you put less lime juice? And can you make it a whole yellow onion instead of just half a one? Class. Love it. Keep on rocking in the free world, Jack. That's cool, man. Um, and you, you're right. He, 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 they like to record on old equipment. This album mm-hmm. was recorded, or uh, none of the equipment this was recorded on uh, is was made after 1963. You had to go to London to find the right place. Um, so yeah, and uh, again, I think that's 
Fine. I watched a movie a couple of years ago called Bait, British film uh-huh. that was all recorded on cameras and edited in in uh, and overdubbed in a way that all stuff from like the nineteen twenties. Um, yeah. At, was it good? Uh, it was critically lauded, but it was fucking uh-huh. hard work. Yeah. But that's not the fault of the cameras. That's just they didn't write a good story for it, surely. Everyone else seemed to like it. I was just a bit like, uh-huh. I'm done now. You're not, I mean, I think Jack White would vomit if he found out how I listened to his album, which was sometimes just playing from my iPhone. Do you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> not even headphones, just upside down in a shit pocket. I've told you, though, that's, uh, that's bad. Yeah, you're very much a Jack White of Edinburgh. But do you do? You're not obsessed with like analog shit, you know? No, no. You like no? I've got I've got good headphones and I've got a good record uh-huh. player. I think speakers. it's nice that someone's, you know, I don't think everybody should be like Jack White, but it's nice that he's there if you like that to be the godhead of jacking off over analog. Well, he's backed it up as well, though. It's not at like uh, it's it he 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 walks to walk. Um, he has donated a lot of money to like archiving projects and like it seems that he really cares about this idea of like preserving the history of like blues music and stuff so uh, his reel-to-reel recordings acetate equipment is the only equipment like that in the whole world mm. like he's the only one who has that now which is uh cool but he's a bit of a wank you know and I get to the, but do you know that way when one of your pals is a bit of a wank, but you're like, that's why I love them, you know? I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit of a wank, but yeah. wait, to, wait for this. During the presidential campaign, Donald Trump played Seven Nation Army at some of his rallies. Jack White was quick mm-hmm. to not only denounce Donald Trump, but later went on to play... Benefit concerts in support of Bernie Sanders. Oh yeah, Berno. Bernie, we're to Bernie Bros in here pounding out in pot. Absolutely, he started selling T-shirts uh, that said "Icky Trump" instead of <laughs> "Icky Thump." That's very clever. Uh, I found a quote that I, I, you know, I found this quote because I remember reading. An interview with Jack White by Chuck Klosterman, who was my favourite music writer when I was a teenager. And this was originally put out in Spin, but then I read it for the first time in a collection of his interviews. And um, it's just an example of how, you know, Jack White says this and then there's no argument against it or comment on it. But they're asking him about what kind of music he likes that's current. And this is, like, just before Elephant comes out. Like, in it, he's like, oh, I seen them live and they were playing this new song called Ball and Biscuit that's, like, seven minutes long, has a big guitar solo in it. So Jack White says, we grew up in the late 80s and 90s and what was good in rock and roll for those 20 years? Nothing, really. I guess I liked Nirvana. And sometimes when you grow up around all these people who only listen to hip-hop, something inside of you just doesn't connect with that. Some people will just kind of fall into that culture, you know, white people pretending to be black people or whatever because they're involved in an environment where they want to fit in and they want to have friends. So they decide to like what everyone else likes and to dress how everyone else dresses. Meg and I never went along with that. I mean, are you genuinely saying white people pretend to be black people when you exclusively play blues rock? Yeah. 
All right, Jack. Yeah, it's a swing and a miss on that one, I think. When did he say? When, when was the end of you? This was pre-critical race theory, man. You know this. Was no, but like even like, but I'm just just interested. So this is like a '90s interview or something, early noughties. Probably like 2001. I, I wonder. 2001. I wonder if he'd look back on that and have a little cringe. Well, as I said earlier, he just done a collabo with Q-Tip, mm. and I believe the last Tribe Called Quest album had that Jack White feature on it. And I think he would probably look back on that and go, "Do you know what?" That, was that whole that. white people pretending to be black people is like fucking. Ugh, that's something that I used to hear a lot in Dagnum. That's like, ugh. yeah, I do feel like you know at the time, um, the Strokes and the White Stripes were this kind of vanguard of good rock music, and a kind of post Limp Biscuit world. You know, we're, hey, there was the. We're all living in a post Limp Biscuit world. <laughs> We are living in a post-Limp Biscuit world, and I am Jack White's girl. Let's make white. Right, but at the time, people were like, oh, this is the new good music. White Stripes, Queens of the Stone Age, The Strokes. And I think all that's quite good music. I love that type of music, you know. But I think now, the way culture's looking back on new metal, everybody's wearing baggy jeans again. There is a wry smile. When uh, Fred Durst dresses like an old man to play Coachella, you know, and it's like we—that's yeah, not how we look at that, you know. You're not a mad savior. You are just the exact same thing, but more fashionable and more trendy for a middle class audience. So, are you saying you think that people are looking back on going actually, new metal was good? If you're not, you are an idiot. I think people are looking back on it and ironically going, "It was fun, but it's not good." And that's what life's all about, finding fun things that make it fun to be alive. Um, the Black Keys. <sighs> Jack, yeah. Jack White accused them of completely ripping off their sound. He said, I'll hear TV commercials where the music's ripping off sounds of mine to the point I think it's me. Half the time, it's the Black Keys. Yeah. Have you read in, uh, you know, after Jack White got divorced from Meg White, he married the woman called amber i believe mm. and they divorced and in the divorce proceedings which are you know a matter of public record because it was a lawsuit uh jack white they leaked out transcripts of conversations where jack white was like screaming about how his kids went to the same private school as the guy from the Black Keys, and he's like, how dare you make me pick my kids up when that guy's standing there ripping off my music. He pays for his kids', his kids education with my music. It's like, mate, you fucking ripped off yeah. the flat duo Jets and the Cramps and fucking all the people who done blues music, whoever Led Zeppelin ripped off when you ripped off Led Zeppelin. Like, come on, fuck that way. <laughs> You know? <laughs> Jack Black. Jack Black. Jack Black. What the fuck, Jack Black? Did I say Jack Black? No way. Well, you said Jack Black. Yeah, okay. That was Jack White. I said, <laughs> learn how to speak my language. Show me some respect. Um, But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I love that a guy's angry about stuff like that, though. You know, I love that he cares so much. I realised this week I love Jack White and have always loved him. He's a fucking cool dude. I love the way he dresses. I love his whole vibe. He's uh, pretty much everything he's done. Like, sure, there's going to be a few misses or whatever, but Raconteurs, Dead Weather, White Stripes, solo stuff. Man, like, the guy is knows how to write really great music. 
I love his. I've, I've actually, have you ever have you ever taken any creative inspiration for a music for your own personal art, Liam? As a as a performer, is there any band you've looked at and thought, see what they do? I'm going to do that. Um, probably. Probably. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, because you're, you're well, you're inspired quite... as when you create stuff. You're inspired by loads of things, aren't you? Like you're inspired by like loads of musicians' journeys, especially if they are ones who have maybe not lent in towards a, a, a mainstream kind of appeal. That's something that you take take on as an artist, whether or not it's uh-huh. the same discipline. The thing with Jack White that I like is that uh, he buys these really cheap shit guitars from the Sears Roebuck catalogue mm. where the strings are like really far off the fretboard so it takes a lot of effort to push them down and they don't sound as good as normal guitars <laughs> uh, and he'll like make sure all his guitar picks are like the other side of the stage so as if he drops one like when you go see Megadeth as I often do the mic stand has like four or five guitar picks so if he drops one just picks it he makes sure the guitar picks are like the other end of the stage so he has to run over grab them run back just to make things harder for him and I think that I've done that with my personality do you know what I mean like I'm making good stand up but I'm making it harder for me and the audience and my management by being like I'm a wee dick and nobody likes me yeah yeah, I agree with that. There's also the, the, the thing, the, the kind of, th- when he has third man records, you know, that's a kind of reference to Ball and Biscuit on this album, My Elephant, where he's like, you might say I'm your third man, but you know I'm the seventh son, you know. He's like third man, and he came up with his obsession with the number three, because when he was an upholsterer, he realised if you take a chair and you put a piece of fabric on it, it just takes three staples, and it's a new thing. Like, three is the minimum you need to make something. Like, if you're making a table, three is the minimum amount of legs it can have. I don't know if he's ever seen a bedside table. Mm. Sometimes they only have one. I don't think he's I don't think he's not too right there, but he's not thought about it. But I kind of get where he's coming from. <laughs> you know, you need three. That's the minimum. So he'll have the guitar, the voice, the drums, and that's all you need. And again, that's something that you take into your stand-up. You, you've got, I you've only got, do three jokes a set. You've got you... The audience and your awful personality—they're <laughs> the three staples that hold up or limit your career. And we get this podcast: me, you, Eddie Ting. That's right. Three, the three fucksketeers, <laughs> rattling and rolling all around. Right, let's get into the, the album, space. shall we? Mm. Um, First track. I mean, it's Seven Nation Army. Woo-hoo. It's almost—it's yeah. almost too big a song. Like in terms of you can't hear it with fresh ears. Yeah, like it, it it can't really be contained within the album anymore. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, Spotify has this thing where it kind of gives a rough play count or whatever, and it's one of the highest I've seen. I, I don't know how long the play count counts for, whether or not it's last year or whatever, but it's like over a billion plays or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's permeated. Every level of society, they sing it at football games. They sing it. They sing it's a modern folk song. Sing it he at says. politicians. Oh, Jeremy Corbyn. You know they did that. Yeah. Um, he wrote the riff to it at the uh, the Corner Hotel in Melbourne, Whoa. which my Australian wife has seen many bands at, uh, oh. including Yola Tango. It's a venue. Yola, I thought it was a hotel. 
yeah, she's called the Corner Hotel. And uh, she saw mm. Yola Tango, who's on the list. Uh, not not too. Well, they are, they are about fifty episodes for now. Can't um, wait for that. Villages and Dresden Dolls. She saw that anyway. Um, he wrote it um, as a potential Bond theme, mm-hmm. which you can kind of see. James Bond, stop I'm gonna fucking all that winning. <laughs> Seven Nation Army can hold me back, money penny. It's called Seven Nation Army because uh, when he was young, he misheard the phrase the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the Seven Nation Army. That's cool. Um, so there you go. It's like, it's just massive. I'm uh, like, yeah, it's just, it's almost irrelevant to the album. The fact that it's first. It's one of my, f- yeah. And then you can just get out of the way. Almost, it's almost like let's just do this and <laughs> yeah. And Black Math, the second track's a great opener. Great, it's just so thrashy and punky. Yeah. But what I will say, well, it's one of my favorites. Do you know how I'm a wee wank and I just love to, like, yeah, know things about stuff. Mm. Pretend you know. That's my favorite thing. Did you know? Um, did you know? I don't know if you know this, but uh, Seven Nation Army doesn't. It's not actually played on a bass. Yeah, I do. Yeah, like, it's not a bass guitar. Everybody knows that. Okay. Um, well, it is not. Everyone knows it's not played on a bass guitar. It's... Some people don't. I, I remember learning that at, at the time when it came out. <laughs> there was like, quite a famous fact about it. It's, it's his guitar. Did you know Jack Waite? An octave liar. Uh, octave lower. An octave liar, exactly. Did you know Jack Waite plays backing vocals on Electric Six, Danger, Danger, High Voltage? Uh, yeah. You knew that? Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> not special. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure everyone listening will have known those. It's like you know, it's Dave Grohl in uh, who plays the devil in the video to Tenacious D. And uh, did you know it's Dave Grohl who is the drummer for Nirvana? <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Big time. He's a kind of analog uh, fetishist as well, isn't he, old Dave Grohl? Yeah, I think if we're doing Jack White versus Dave Grohl, I've got to go white all day long, man. I'm a white head for sure. <laughs> See those ass girls, man? I'm a whitehead. Um, there's so many good songs on this album. It almost feels like a greatest hits. There's no mm. hope for you here, go, go away. There's no hope See for that bit where it's like, ah, in the background of that song. Yeah. It's like a big kind of feedback choir. This man can write a fucking hook. Yeah. There's a cover. I just Hit don't know what to do with myself. Remember the video for that? Kate Moss swinging around a pole? Black and white? I don't know. I'm going to look that up. That sounds good. Directed by um, Sophia Capella. I love Dusty Springfield for emotional reasons that we'll get to if we ever get to Dusty Springfield episode, mm. which I believe she is in the list. Mm. I think she's got a live record. Um, but I always think that that, don't know what to do myself, by White Stripes, it reminds me, it's kind of playing the same trick as... When Muse covered uh, Feeling Good by your favourite singer, Nina Simone. And I'm feeling good. And then Muse ruined it with their fucking <laughs> mediocre drone music. Come on. They'll call them that. I love Muse. Mm. You don't like any Muse songs? Uh, yeah, sure. But, you know. Yeah, I know you do. You love them. Everybody loves them. Nights of Sidonia <laughs> is a fucking banger. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. They are kind of... In- you know, I think Muse kind of straddle that line between cringe new metal resurgence and... They are a cringe band, man. They make me cringe. <laughs> I love them. I love them so bad. <laughs> but uh, I think White Stripes are pretty cringy as well, even though they're so good. For some, just something about them. I don't know. The hardest I, I, I button to button. 
Did you did you know the bass in the hardest button to button isn't a bass guitar? What? Yeah. So hardest dum, button to button. Dum, what do you think dum, they're talking dum. about there? I think it's about the G spot. The male G spot. Mm. No. It, what? I don't think it's a sex thing. That's the hard. That's the a hard button to button. A button. I think it's when you buy a shirt that's too tight for your neck. <laughs> you know. And you're like one of those granddad shirts where it doesn't really have a collar, it just like goes up. <laughs> and you're just like, that is bad and bad sin. And it's like, I need to fucking stop eating so many Oreos, man, because my neck is fat. I think it's about when um, uh, games have over designed. Uh, it's about the GameCube controller. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about the GameCube controller. Trying to play Metal Gear Solid. Are you the guy who has that controller where there's like buttons on the back of the controller and it's like, oh, you don't know what you're missing? Have you seen one of those controllers? You, you think I'm one of those guys? I think you would do that. No. Oh, you don't know? You've never played PGA Tour until you've played it with buttons on the arse of the controller. Like, all right, fucking shut up, man. Yeah. I've, I've actually got a Please. mouse that has extra buttons on it, which I hate. I never use. I, I tap them I by hate when people put extra buttons. Yeah, See, when people have like a PS2 Mad Cats non-official controller and it has like a mad turbo button on it that you don't know what it does it's like shut up yeah man fucking that's the hardest get your to grand. yeah um <laughs> yeah there's there's like so, you know, here's the thing about this album you've got basically seven songs on it I would say mm-hmm. seven or eight songs that are out and out fucking perfect shit hot bangers Screaming demons. Because of that, uh-huh. you could be forgiven for sometimes thinking that the other songs are filler. However, I just think that in comparison to the shit hotness of the shit hot songs, they can feel like that. But when you actually when you listen to the album all the way through a few times, I I'm really just like, man, this is fucking good. This is good all the way through. I love it. 14 songs, 51 minutes. For me, there's a little bit of fat on a bacon. You know, if this was 10 songs, 45 minutes, and there's a little bit less repetition, you know. And I love it when they get heavy as shit. I'm not too crazy about, like, uh, when they're not heavy as shit. In the cold, cold night. I like that, though. In the cold, cold night. That's when Meg... Does vocals a la Mo Tucker from the Velvet Underground? Actually, uh, did you something interesting? It's not actually Meg White singing; it's a bass guitar. <laughs> they just they they tuned it an octave Boodoo. higher, and it sounds Boodoo. like no. That's the that's the guitar. That's like uh, no. That's Meg. That's Meg. Go boom. <laughs> right. Okay. Boom. Yeah, in, the, in that documentary I was talking about where Meg White cries at the end of it under Great White Northern Lights, and it's the last recorded, well, it's the last tour the White Stripes ever done, and it ends on this footage of Meg crying. Um, it's actually just just a bass guitar leaking. It's got, like, sap in it because it's made for wood, and it's, like, leaking a wee bit. I don't know. Um. So you re- you, you want to trim back... I mean... Six minutes. Two, if this is a double record, like that thing said it was, two CDs, I think you can get one CD. It's good out of this. Uh, to me, Jack, uh, White Stripes are like a total uh, greatest hits band. You know, I don't think they've ever had the 
because uh, all the albums are so similar, you know? Like, the production gets better, but the idea's pretty much the same from the first one to the last one. Uh, you know? I actually got up. I wasn't on Pointless, but I was watching Pointless one time. You were on Pointless? And it, hmm? You were on Pointless? I wasn't on Pointless. But I've seen you on Pointless. Pointless. You you co-host it. You do the little... Um... That's Richard Osman. That's a different guy. Shut up. <laughs> I was watching Pointless. I'm a wee specky dink. If anybody's wondering why he's saying that and you've never seen me. I was watching Pointless and the big question at the end of it was name a, white, a single by the White Stripes and you're looking for a Pointless answer. Oof. I got it. I got a pointless answer. I would have gone for um, the Bond theme for... They did the Bond theme. Oh, but that was just Jack White and Alicia Keys. That wasn't the White Stripes. Then that would have been me. You would have been... Yeah, what was the pointless... I got it, right? What was it? Conquest. Conquest! I song. That sucks, man, but I love it. <laughs> That's so cool, the way he screams there. That's so much better than Nice Sidonia, and it's the same vibe. Very similar vibe. Check out that Heidi High song with Q-Tip. It's got quite spaghetti western vibes as well. Such a Listen, pause the podcast, close your door, and go... <laughs> Phone up your local matador. Quest! It feels good. It feels good. And then in the way that things happen. Uh, he's so funny, Jack White, isn't he? I don't think he ever really recovered for when um, one of the Gallica brothers called him Zorro on Donuts. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when he put a bit of beef on? God, that's brutal. And he that's had the wee mustache. Zorro on Donuts. That's so, <laughs> so hardcore slacking, man. Really... I hate Oasis. I, I love the White Stripes, but he won that that's one. Absolute, there, that's great power, fucking fair play. Yeah. One nil to you. On donuts as well, as if it's like acid or something. Yeah, it's ongoing as well. Not has had donuts, like continuing. He's he hasn't got past his donut problem. He's under the influence of tantrum. <laughs> He's just crispy creamed out as we glazed socks, man. Shut up. Great. Um, listen, this is what I, I think. This is like a fucking great blues rock revival garage, fucking fun record with. Great, uh, populated with uh, hit Hits. after hit after hit of great hooks. Man, Born Biscuit. Oh, just sumptuous. Just rolling in the muck with all the fucking blues filth that he can muster. There's so a couple great. of pinch harmonics in a very tasteful way. And pinch harmonics is a kind of aspect of heavy rock guitar playing that's been looked down upon because of its overuse by axe wielders such as Zach Wilde and Dimebag Darrell but he uses them with just the right amount of uh, delicacy great scuzzy in the background to solo scuzzy guitars great to describe we didn't even talk about loads of good stuff you know what I mean like exactly. oh we're finished are we okay we didn't even talk about all, yeah. all the good stuff we're done thanks for listening I thought we were done bottom line what first off not a feature um <laughs> Second, we were just we were just discussing the music. All right, yeah. Little acorns when he starts talking about squirrels for ages. That's pretty cool, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a weird bit at the very end. Well, it's true that we love one another. It's kind of like, it's, it's a bit of a jokey song about mm-hmm. the fact that everyone knows now that they're not brother and sister. They were married and now they're not whatever. And then there's the sort of, did you some fake uh, English accents at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh thank- Do you find that offensive? Very much so. Thanks so much for listening. That was great. Should we have a cup of tea then? Yes, I'll put on a cuppa. See the fact they recorded that in London as well? Yeah. The engineer must have been like, oh, come on now. That's- I don't bloody speak like that. Obviously, what they're, they're, they've done is they're spending it in London and they're, they're just having having a good old laugh at the London accents or whatever. Imagine I mm. went to Detroit and recorded an album and at the end went, I'm, I'm just scared to do it. Yeah, yeah. Because I have Imagine a little you thing called doing an impression respect. Of- Imagine if you started doing a little bit of the old uh, Berry Gordy uh, sloppy Joe eating stuff at the end of your fucking uh, album. Start talking about how much you love eating cum, like he does. Yeah, not quite the vibe I'm going for, but okay. <laughs> no need to bring that up. We got through, uh, it's, been, it's been a long episode. We got through so long without your fucking weekly weird horniness. No, I'm not horny. I'm just saying Berry Gordy, if you listen to the Supremes episode, bonk. enjoys. That, there's a bonk. You've been bonk- I'm bonking him. You can't bonk me because I'll just slap into him because no, he's bonked. No, you've been bonked. We weren't even talking about that. You're the one that brought up fucking G-spots and shit, man. I'm trying to keep it non-horny and you're bonking it up over there. Two horny boys. Listen. Phone the police. Did you enjoy an album? Before we do that, <laughs> there's a... Uh, not only do we do the bit Midler Factor every week, but there's another feature. Oh, I and I thought we'd managed to... No, 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 no. It's called Tattoo Woohoo forward slash Tattoo Boohoo. It is unfortunately on a hiatus at the moment because it's under review as a feature. Um, it's not under review. It's it's been, everybody it's loves been, it. It's been placed in a um, a temporary uh, folder. Um, Every n- week, we take the artist who recorded this album and we judge their tattoos. Well, I'll let the theme tune do the speaking. With two guys reviewing tattoos, we're gonna Google image search and then we'll choose if it's tattoo woohoo or tattoo boohoo. We're judging the ink, yeah, that's what we do. Full sleeve or face tats, big skull or wing bats, you pick the design, is it bad or just fine? A dragon or a skull, pretentious or dull, you will decide and we cannot hide if it's tattoo woohoo or tattoo boohoo. Ooh, yeah. There's been issues with the feature because for the last six weeks running, the artists have not had tattoos. This week, we were hopeful. I was doing my research. I googled it, as I would do every week doing my research. I found a thread on Reddit, or reddit.com. It's called Jack White's Tattoos. The person said, I think I just bumped into Jack White at the airport, but I'm not 100% sure. I got a good look at the tattoos in his left arm, so I thought I'd be able to compare them to pictures of him on the internet to satisfy my curiosity and confirm it was him. However, my Google foo is failing me because he likes suits so much, which is fair. He looks great in them. I can't find any recent pictures of him in a t-shirt. Anybody know or have a source with a recent photo? Cheers! I thought we were on a winner here. However, then I seen a response seven years ago from a man called Trevman825. Trevman said, 
I read somewhere that he doesn't have any. I think it's cool that he doesn't have any, being that most rock stars are tatted up from head to toe. Are they? Agree to disagree. (laughs) (laughs) It sets him apart. Very professional. So there we go. Next week, maybe. Maybe next week. Who's next week? Ah, who's next week? Mm. I don't know. Let me check. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fucking. Hang on. It's like a sort of. Mate, it's Otis Redding. Otis Redding next week. Jenky's going to have tattoos. No! Let's find out. <laughs> Imagine he had that fucking dragon with like Rosie's fries and a like skull dick. Anyway, uh, Liam doesn't like that feature, but I think it's cool. Uh, uh, eight in a row now. Is it? Seven, I think. And you know that I'm a seventh son who doesn't have tattoos. Um, <laughs> but okay, go for it again. Give me the bottom line. Did you enjoy an album? Yes, I loved it. I love Jack White. I realise I've loved him for a long time. I could speak about him for hours. I didn't even get into that film he was in with Jimmy Page and The Edge called It Might Get Loud. I had that on DVD. I had the Under Great White Northern Lights on DVD, the tour film for their last tour as a thing before they dissolved as a couple. I'll have Blunderbuss solo record by Jack White on vinyl. I love Whorehound by The Dead Weather. I think Jack White is a bit of a wank, but we need wanks like him to keep the world interesting. I think he makes the music world a more interesting place with his beefs, his violence, his pretentiousness. Did I enjoy this record? It was a little bit of filler in there, but what a lovely piece of art. How did you feel about it? Did you enjoy an album, Liam? I loved it. I've really enjoyed Like you know, Yes, I did own this when I was younger, but I haven't sat and listened to it for many years, um, all the way through. And uh, it's just... It's just great. There's there's banger after banger after banger. I I, I don't really think the filler is filler, um, mm-hmm. personally. A couple of little weird moments with like poems or whatever, but you know, I think you got to be a bit pretentious. Nothing wrong with a poem. I think you got to be a bit pretentious to be a big rock star. If you were, but yeah. And I was watching a documentary about the Detroit music scene, and it was all these bands at the time, and they were like, well, you know, we all used to play down at the Gold Dollar. And you'd see Jack White and Meg. I saw their first show. I thought, well, this is goofy. Mm-hmm. And like, there's the the music producer who recorded the first record in a studio, and he was like, Jack, we can just edit this on a computer, you know. Like, we don't have to fucking, you know. But Jack's like, no, I'm gonna do it. I thought he looked goofy, and it's like, well, who's looking goofy now, bro? Yeah. Because you look like the guy for Family Guy, Joe. He looked exactly. And if you watch the YouTube documentary, but you'll know. He looks like the guy for Family Guy called Joe. Right, okay, so that's a joke. Someone's going to have to research to find funny. You're going to have to do a bit of research to find that funny, but you'll see him and you'll go, oh. Looks a bit like Brock Samson from the Venture Brothers. I, th- I think Jack White is a cool dude. And Meg White, let's not forget her, her important drumming. Uh, it's a big part of the album. Obviously, Jack Great White drummer. is the, the driving force. Um, and I'm glad this is on the list. I'm glad I've had a chance to re-listen to it and enjoy it. Enjoying the scuzzy blues rock that is Jack White. Um, hey, Jack, you're a king amongst men. That's what I say. Despite your comments in Spin Magazine that make you sound like a total unself-aware clown, we enjoyed you, Jack. And I wish I got to see them live. I wish I got to see the White Stripes live. Mm. I would, wouldn't mind seeing Jack White live. I'm sure he plays a couple of old hits with his new bands. He has an all-male band and an all-female band who take turns. 
uh, takes them all on tour, which is very prohibitively expensive. But you got to spend some money to do some interesting work. Liam, what is your non-album playlist? Every week we do the playlist, two tracks for the album, and then two from inspired by the album. So my number one first. What's your, what's your number one? I, I'm going to go Ball and Biscuit. Mm. We often go for the biggest hit. I don't I don't think there's any reason to put Seven Nation Army on this playlist. Everyone knows it inside out. People know every, it's so well known. There's mm-hmm. no point in that being on the list. You know it. Just think about it. So I'm going to go to a football game. Ball and Biscuit, I think, is a, I mean, a seven minute fucking great. Like him just fucking playing the living fuck out of his guitar. Sounds awesome. It's fun. Um, and I think it's the sort of song that one of the playlists we listen to, and you go, "Oh shit!" Because it, it's not a song that's going to get a lot of radio play. Yeah, great, enjoy it. What about you? What a guitar player! Uh, my track is going to be "Hardest Button to Button." The hardest button to button. I think he's an underrated singer. I mean, I think I said that earlier on, but he's got a great rock voice. Yeah, it's cool. You know. Great singer. In the cold, cold night. That's not him. What is your uh, non-album playlist pick? Um, I'm going to go for a song by The Kills um, from his uh, Dead Weather bandmate. Sorry? That's interesting. He's not in that band. No. You've a bit medley fact to yourself there. Well, not really. He's in a band with a member of The Kills. Uh-huh. I think that's a good relation. Okay. I'm going to go for a song called The Last Goodbye, which is a really beautiful Ooh. Um, distorted piano track. Um, Samantha Morton is in the the video. Um, it's her in like a photo booth, but it's all shot sort of grainy and gothy. And who's Samantha Morton? She invented Morton's British rules. British actress. Oh, um, she played uh, Ian Curtis's wife in um, Control. I saw that film. Yeah, with Sam Riley. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, man, it's great. It's haunting, dark. Sad, beautiful. Is it horny? I mean, when it comes to you, Christopher, I don't know what isn't horny. I'm not a horny person. What I will say is, my choice, I wish I had done my choice first because it would make more sense. The Dead Weathers, 2009 hit. Uh, an album I bought and listened to many, many, many times. Hang You From The Heavens by The Dead Weather, Jack White on drums, Alison Mosshart. Dean Fertitta from uh, Queens of Stone Age on the bass guitar and some guy for the raconteurs that nobody cares about on guitar. Lovely stuff. The raconteurs suck. But what I will say is a great song. Um, although I do kind of wish I'd put on Conquest. Can we just agree? Conquest going on. Conquest is also on the list. Pointless answer. Yes. They didn't get it on the program as well. I was like, see if I was there, I would have got conquest. Pointless. <laughs> what a fun episode. Um, hey, who, who are we listening to next week? You know now. Next week, it's Otis Redding with Dictionary of Soul. So when I saw this, uh, quick insight, I saw... Uh-huh. Oh, it's reading Dictionary of Soul. I went, it's a fucking anthology. Dictionary of Soul. It's not. It's 35 fucking it's minutes not. long. Yes. It's complete and unbelievable. 
Cannot wait for that. Mono and Stereo as well, judging by the album cover. And that's an exciting thing for me. As someone with two ears, but one brain. And one phone um, speaker. And one phone speaker. <laughs> uh, uh, look forward to that. Um, it's going to be a good week. That was fun. I hope we get more fun records that we actually like. Even though I love to learn about stuff I don't like. And I hope you enjoyed listening to something that we did like. And I hope you liked what we did. I hope you liked that ending. Wow, that was a, a word salad you just served up. Absolutely delicious. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your week. We'll catch you next time for some Otis Reading. Enjoy an album.